1: Giving out to them that blackness, that black power, that black pushing them to identify with uh, 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 black culture. I think that's what you're asking. It's, it's, I have no choice over it. In the first place, to me, we are the most beautiful creatures in the whole world, black people. I mean, and I mean that in every, every sense, uh, outside and inside. And to me, we have a culture... That uh, is surpassed by, 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 by no other civilization, but we don't know anything about it. So again, I think I've said this before in this same interview. I think uh, at some time before, my, my job is to somehow make them curious enough, or persuade them by hook or crook, to get more aware of themselves and where they came from and what they are into and what is already there, and just to bring it out. This is what compels me to compel them, and I will do it by whatever means necessary.
0: I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Ashley Thomas, and welcome to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. We are the return of Intelligent Radio as we ensure the free flow of opinions and push the envelope on the questions America's afraid to ask in the mainstream media. Good morning, Ashley. How are you doing, Queen? Glad to have you in the saddle with me this morning. A beautiful Saturday morning here in at the ATL. We've been having some cold weather, but it warmed up the last couple of days. So, uh, just yeah. a shout out yeah. as well. How are you doing, Queen?
2: I'm doing well. It is a great Saturday. The weather is gorgeous right now. I'm excited to be on the line with everybody this morning.
0: No, absolutely. We have a, as I would would dub this, a fun show. You know, we're known for doing the deep and hard conversations on race, sex, and culture, but this show right here is going to be, in my mind, a little, you know, it's fun and entertaining, but there's some deepness to it as well as we going to a unique topic. This is a topic that I've been wanting to tackle for really about a year. And uh, a lot of people don't know this, but for a lot of the members, I will send out surveys to say, hey, here's a couple shows I'm thinking about. Typically, again, we're always floating around race, sex, and culture and black business, if you will. And so I'll send out topics and kind of get us a consensus. And I was absolutely surprised to see this be the number one, because in previous surveys, it wouldn't get that many votes, but for whatever reason, people were interested in this morning's discussion question, and if you are a first-time listener, again, I go by the name Black Socrates, and so we do our show in the form of a question, Uh, in a sense, taking the Socratic method uh, with the idea of asking the right questions that one day you can get to the right answers, if you will, but again, today is kind of a fun topic to a degree, maybe not as serious as some of our others, and I'll go ahead and let the cat out the bag, this morning's discussion question, why black families should have monthly Monopoly Nights. But before we answer that question, Ashley, give people a little bit of your background, um, As I've been highlighting the Queens of Intellect over the last few weeks, um, so I want them to understand why I dubbed you in particularly for this show because of your background, so share that before we get into this morning's discussion.
2: Yeah, sure. So in my business, which you all probably have heard on the commercials before, if you've been going to our Making Money Matter Mondays, I am the owner, founder, CEO of Making Money Matter, LLC. Uh, and my goal is just to have conversations with people to help them uncover what their financial goals, um, really helping them get their money together so that they can move on to the next step in terms of investing or uh, reaching their next financial goal and just really unpacking issues that they're having around money and how that, that mental health aspect is impacting that money as well and just like really trying to overcome the difficulties and adversities that they're having with finances. And then um, outside of that, you know, in my nine-to-five, I am a client service manager for institutional 401K plans, so I just make sure that the plans are all together. So finance is my life in and outside of work.
0: Well, absolutely. And so when people think of the game of monopoly, you again, monopoly money, if you will, and so because you have such a, a deep-seated uh, background in this area, you are the queen of intellect that I pulled for this morning's, again, uh, unique show. Um, we're going to uh forget if you're a first time listener, we typically go two hours deep into whatever discussions we're doing, and sometimes two hours isn't enough, especially when we get into some of the more serious topics uh, but this here we're going to have Ashley for the first hour, so I would like to highlight that the second hour is going to be an open dialogue and any anybody out there listening, you can bring a topic to discussion, and y'all can help me hold down the second hour as Ashley uh, will be with me for the first hour but let's get into this morning's discussion in particular again, a fun one, but can't be serious when you think. the benefits um, to our children. So as we always start, um, Ashley, when I asked you, and said, hey, here's the show that we're doing, Why Black Families Should Have uh, Monthly Monopoly Nights, what was the first thought that popped in your head?
3: Oh, man,
2: I just thought about um, my times of playing Monopoly when I was younger and just how much that, that impacted me. And like, you know, I really didn't understand money back then and how long those game nights would go.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's why. Yeah, when I tell, when I bring up Monopoly, for the most part, uh, again, I am to a degree a Monopoly enthusiast. As I said, I've been trying to get this show uh, uh, done for over a year, and people finally voted for it, if you will. Some of the members finally voted for it, and and what happens is, um, just to highlight this, because of the pandemic, we've only had two live events. But there have been a few occasions when we were doing our monthly live events where I would bring Monopoly to the actual live experience and break down strategies. And it would blow people's mind because in our community quite often, you know, we're notorious for making up our own rules. And so when you say all night, you know what I mean? (laughs) We we didn't even have a real – we didn't even recognize. As I always tell people, one of the first things I tell people at the live experience when I would bring the Monopoly is you have – Monopoly will end if you play by all the rules. And what happened right. people, are like, well, you know, we, we had fun with our rules, and I was like, the game never ended. They were like, yeah, the game never ended. I said, you probably don't play anymore because all you can think about is how long the game was. Yep. You know what I mean? And you just said that. Yeah. several
2: days playing Monopoly, yep. keeping track <laughs> of your money in your cards, hiding them from everybody else.
0: <laughs> so, so it sounds like y'all was you a couple of rules, too. Yeah, just, just a few. Just a few? Just a few? Give me a couple of them. Give me yeah. a couple of them. Anybody out there listening, you know, I'm going to go ahead and open up the phone lines, too. Y'all can call in and tell us the rules y'all changed, and we're going to circle back around to why you have to follow the rules. And I know when I was shared with the um, members live, they still wouldn't believe that the game could end because none of them had ever played by all the rules. But give me a couple of the things y'all, you know, you know, black folk rules y'all added to Monopoly. Let me hear a couple of them. <laughs>
2: Uh so we we weren't allowed to buy anything until we went around one time. We uh-huh. definitely I, hear that um, I think like some of the other ones like we never tried to borrow money or anything. So if if you couldn't buy the property then um somebody else could, could buy the property or I I don't know like we we just had like little things like that where it was just kind of it, it was always advantageous for somebody else and not the person that was actually doing the role. Um, I, I think we have seized properties from each other. I don't even know how that works, but I lost some properties. Um, we, we definitely I, – I think one of the rules is that you could borrow money from the bank, but we never did any of that. Like, you spent right. the money that you had, and if you didn't have it, that was the end of it.
0: Right, right, right. Yeah, just leave it out. All kind of key rules. And like I said, the one I always hear about is that you have to go around one time or whatever. That was right. pretty standard. Even when I would play in yeah. other people's home, um, I would see that one as kind of a standard. Now, another one that I recall real quick was um, people would put, like, your jail money on the free money spot. And so if you landed on the free oh, money spot, yeah. you, know, you would get extra money. So, um, you know, those are just the little things. And, again, this is this show is not about how long Monopoly lasts. It's about the actual rules that you play and the benefits Right of the financial literacy that you can learn and teach your children if you were to play correctly. Like Ashley said, for example, y'all never borrowed money from the bank. There is an actual way to borrow money from the bank, which is a whole lot of life lessons if you play by that rule. But obviously if you didn't play by the rule, you never picked it up. And by the time you learn how to borrow from a bank, you probably was an adult. Whereas had you played Monopoly correctly, you correctly it was a concept you would have already understood and wouldn't have been learning as an adult possibly. Mm-hmm. So again, there are some deeper dialogues to answering this morning's discuss- discussion question. We're about to go to our first break. We'll be right back of why black families should have monthly monopoly nights. So this should be a fun show Anybody out there listening, you can definitely call in and share any of the rules y'all may have changed as we focus on the rule of play and how it can be a benefit to African-American families specifically because, once again, when you think about it, we're always talking about the need for financial literacy in our community, and there's this fun, amazing way to actually grab that information, and we miss out because, again, we add our rules to a game that actually could have a, a, a long Term benefit to our community. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Metal Dialogue Talk Show, where All I Ask is That You Think. Go ahead and give out the number to get in with us. 646-787-1691. Again, that's 646-787-1691. You have to press one to let us know you want to speak. We'll be right back where All I Ask is That You Think. Have you heard about that podcast, Mental Dialogue? It's so good it should be illegal. But if you miss the live show every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Blog Talk Radio, be sure to catch replays on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, and all other streaming platforms. We are the return of Intelligent Radio, and we are the best in the world at having hard conversations on race, sex, gender, and business in the African-American community remember, all I ask is that you think. LNG Technology Services, we are your industry leader in aircraft and heavy equipment repair services. In commercial business for over 15 years, LNG technicians have over 150 years of equipment specific knowledge and are known industry-wide for returning worn out, broken, and overused ground support equipment back to the user in working better than new conditions. For a service job done right at a value unparalleled in the industry, contact LNG Technology Services at 478-781-4860. Again, for a service job done right, that number is 478-781-4860. LNG Technologies is a Mental Dialogue Gold member and proud sponsor of the Mental Dialogue community.
4: Trading. Trading. It's the name of the game, folks. Trading. If you can't trade successfully in a game of Monopoly, you might as well close up shop, walk out the door, get history. You're done. Game over. Forget about it. You have to learn how to trade. You have to do it well. I can evaluate any trade instantly. You offer me something, I'll tell you right away if I want to take it or not take it. If I offer someone something and they say no, I already have two, three, and four other trades waiting to go to ask them or to ask somebody else. Always think ahead. What kind of trade do I want? What do I have to do to get the property that I want? Right? Most likely when you say you want something, somebody says, Oh, you already want it, um, the price is higher. I already know that you want it. You want them to believe that you really don't want it. Ah, that's just an add-in. Just add that in. I don't really want it, but that's the one you're shooting for. So what you want to do is, of course, you want to make an offer for a few properties. Throw out a terrible offer. They're always going to reject the first offer anyway. Set the bar up there. They only can come down from there, right? So then you have to negotiate. Start high, medium, low. If you get a deal that you like, still, still tell them no. Get a better deal. If you're in a position of leverage and you don't have to make the deal, why make the deal now? All you're doing is feeling them out. Feel them out. That's it. Test them. Throw out these crazy offers. Who cares? They know you're willing to wheel and that you're willing to deal. The key here is to create leverage and to not let them believe that you really want something. They'll come around, and if they don't, just trade with somebody else.
0: Welcome back to the mental
4: dialogue talk show
0: i'm your host montoya smith aka black soccer teams along with special guest co-host ashley thomas this morning's discussion question why black families should have monthly monopoly nights or to the highlight for getting to the cut um, lng technologies they've re-upped their sponsorship for a couple of years so um, definitely appreciate their support a two-year sponsorship is a major major benefit to ensuring not only that the mental dialogue talk show continues, but that the the, uh, Community Club continues to do the work where ultimately our mission is to create a virtual nationwide neighborhood where African Americans learn to trade ideas, goods, and services through solution-focused podcasts such as this, meetups, and social media, so we have a lot of testimonies that we've been able to ultimately pull together. Again, want you listening every Saturday to what we're doing, um, but ultimately this is our this, this is our meetup place to talk to our community and get out information and see that you can use in your life. Today is one of those shows. Why black families should have monthly monopoly nights. Um, definitely hope to get y'all input, but Ashley, if you will, um, again, thank you to LNG Technologies, but let's get into that cut. Yeah. And um, the, the cut you heard was, I guess this guy is, from what I understand, is like the national champion of Monopoly or something to that degree. <laughs> uh, not that I knew. I, I, I shouldn't be surprised because there's always, you know, various championships for all types of things <laughs> that I know about. And, you know, and as much as I love Monopoly, I didn't, you know, I didn't think of a, as a national champion, or if you will, but this brother gets, well, he's actually a white guy, or whatever, but it's all good. This man gets like a hundred thousand views on his tips for Monopoly, and so the first one that you hear here is just a broad base one that I can recall as a young man playing Monopoly, for trading, never came to my to my mind, when it came to playing right. Monopoly, but you hear this national champion saying the key to the game is trading. I can probably highlight why it wasn't an important factor in a lot of the games played. You know, in particular in Black Homes. Again, I played Monopoly a lot of places, and rarely did this come up until I learned to play by all the rules. So, just a quick thought on that, and then I'm going to break down why how trading becomes so important and why it becomes important because. One of the main rules that I've met ne- in my in my lifetime, I've never seen African American families do this one rule. When you were explaining your your stuff, I think y'all may have done this just based on what I heard you say, but I'd never experienced it. So um, the idea of trading now that you understand how to play Monopoly better, um, your thoughts on that, and then I'll get into that one particular rule. Yeah, I, I think it's
2: it's important because you know. I- When you think about, like, what Monopoly is, right, like, yes, it is a game, but it is teaching you how you can be approaching things outside of this. And I think oftentimes what really messed us up, you know, at least in terms of playing with my family was, it was always about acquiring, 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 and not necessarily finding another way to put other properties or your cash to work to do other business for you. And so, like, sometimes you just might not have the availability and cash to do something, and so you might have to trade another property or add some additional cash into it. And it speaks to, like, what actually happens in the business world and, like, it is so important. I don't know why it didn't cross, but, you know, being younger, it was all about who had the most properties, who had all of the properties so that they could put properties on their properties, but it was never about what is the value of this thing or what is the future of this thing. Where where am I trying to go with this?
0: No, absolutely. And so this is the one rule I would always again, shared the live experience that But, you know, every now and then I would run into a person who was familiar with it. And so keep in mind, this might be an event with 30, 40, 50 people. And so we would have like a section where, we're, you know, I'd start going over and they're like, why is this even a section? And so I would start with this one very rule right here, because this is what creates the idea of trading. When you read Monopoly, it always talks about you can trade at any time. Or whatever, but it would be later in the game before we would even need to trade because of how we play. We never followed this one rule right here that is mainly the key rule to Monopoly. So, as you said, go around one time, nobody could buy. Complete BS because you're slowing down the main fu- the main functionality of the game, which is this right here. Mo- I would always say to people, "You, I'm sure I know you know this now, but I would always say at the event." do you know that when somebody lands on a property, that property has to be bought? And everybody would look at me with crazy looks on their phone. I'd be like, what do you mean it has to be bought? I was like, it has to be bought. Mm. And they'd be like, how? You, so you said I have to buy it? And so I was like, nope, there's two options. You can land on the property. Buy it for the face value that you see on the property. Now, that, you know, they put it in millions. Now, when we were young, it was put in, like, you know, just $120. Right. You know what I mean? Now, they will say $1.2 million for the you know, for the younger generation now. But I was like, whatever. You So you could buy it outright for that price. And I was saying, you know, in our community, the way we're thinking, we were wanting to get on the, you know, wanting to get land on boardwalk, wanting to land on North Carolina, the higher-priced property. Yep. Because of how we're thinking, again, as we go through this show, you'll see you don't even want to land on, you don't even want those properties. But, again, we'll get to that. So what happens is, you know, if you got you land it on Baltic, you're like, I don't want that little $60 property, property when I was young. I don't know, yeah. you probably 60000 now, right? But either way, um, you was like, I don't want that little property. So you would just pass it up. And I says, well, here's the rule when I said they has to be bought. You can choose to pass it up. Then the functionality that happens at that point, that property has to be auctioned off to the highest bidder thereafter. And so, that would be a lot, for a lot of black African Americans, this is the first time you're hearing it. So, what happens is you land on the property, you can say, I want it, buy it at face value, or you offer it up for auction. And then you basically just go around the room, you know, and I would just do it in an order or whatever. And you literally could bid $1. The next person could bid $2. The next person could say, you know, $5. The next person could say $10. And it would just go around. And to to include the person who said, I didn't want to, I didn't want to, I would have, basically you can buy or put it in auction. So you could still be in the auction yourself for, let's, you know, we're just using Baltic, for example. So you can literally go around the room and somebody might end up getting Baltic for $45 or $35 versus the $60 face value. You yourself could be in the hiding center since nobody wants the property, right? And so, so, what happens is not to belabor that one point, but if you imagine you got four or five players going around not having that rule, right? You're landing on all the properties. Well, all the properties getting bought up because either it's bought by you or somebody bought it at auction. So, can you already just adding that one rule gets the property bought up much quicker than the way we used to play? Mm-hmm. <laughs> to buy a property or not and the property just go stays in standing. Once all the property gets bought up, you're forced into a world where now you must trade to even play the game because all the property yeah. is getting bought up. So, Just any thoughts on that real quick because we're going to go deeper with that, but it's just that key rule alone is getting left out and so you are never forced to get into trading, mm-hmm. negotiating, having leverage. How do I sweeten up a deal? Imagine having your right. child have being forced to deal with this at ten years old, eight years old, right. twelve years old. Yeah. And I never knew about negotiating and leverage until I was in
5: college. Exactly. So, you know,
2: that's what I was just getting ready to say. I mean, when you talk about now, right, we're in the great resignation with people um, leaving their jobs and looking for other places to go in terms of employment. I mean, like, how, how pivotal would it be if your child already knew how to negotiate for what they wanted or if they understood the art of negotiation as it is or even trying to understand the other party and determining, like, what the other party needs so that they can create a deal that is beneficial to that other party? um we just are not having those conversations and like this is a game that could give them those skills or even like introduce them to those skills so that they can understand it and i mean like when you think about like kids growing up and being able to be part of a debate team right because they're learning these skills in terms of monopoly and how that applies to them when they're looking at a future employer um, or even when they're just trying to find something that's mutually beneficial. I, I mean, like, you could apply this to any type of relationship when you talk about compromise and negotiation. I mean, those skills are invaluable.
0: No, absolutely. And for the callers out there, if you want to get in, please press 1. Or you can call in and tell us any of the rules that you play with or your thoughts about what we're talking about. Again, that number is 646- 646 Seven eight seven one six nine one. again you have to press 1 to let us know you want to speak i see a couple of callers out there if you're just listening no problem if you want to speak you do have to press 1 and so yeah absolutely introducing this let's talk i want to talk about this one particular rule again the free money the free money one right i want to talk about the psychology of monopoly so as someone who loves to play it and, used to, you know, play it on the holidays with my family and talk about it at the live experience, another aspect of watching your ch- children, you know, learn those concepts if you are playing by the rules, right? I always expo- would explain to parents at the event. I says, you know, and again, they were here all, we're gonna, again, we're going to get through this by the end of the hour. But I would, as they've heard everything, I would say, look, you're also able to evaluate your own children, let's say you have three children, right? So even in their ability to play this financial game, game correctly, hopefully, you you know, now that you can end the game, we'll get into how that happens, but you can end the game when you play correctly, you then can turn around and have a little evaluation for why your child made a certain move or made this move. And again, we're right. encouraging you to do this as a monthly monopoly night because the goal ultimately you know yeah you may yeah you may like want to win but ultimately i want i would want to see my child's progress at getting better at playing because now we added this additional factor. There's a lot more factors than even what we we're discussing now, but just even getting into trading and negotiation and talking about, well, why did you do that deal right there? Did did mommy influence you because of your love for her, take advantage of you? Like all these little small things happen within yeah. the trading game for somebody trying to win, win. The reality in real life of how to negotiate it still involves human emotion. So you're able to watch and evaluate your child's perspective on one: are they improving? And two: how do emotions affect their trading? And I've watched adults, and this is something I can always pick up on when I, because a lot of times I'll just run a game versus play myself. But I literally can figure out who's stingy with their money. I can figure out mm-hmm. who. I can figure out who invests by how they deal. Once you watch how they play, right. so it's a great way to go ahead and jump in, Queen. It's a great way to evaluate. Um, one another and your family and ideally if you're thinking generation of wealth you might want to see who you're going to let control your if you, you know get into estate planning which child's going to control the estate it ain't necessarily the oldest one based on a little game that you play hopefully monthly to evaluate who's getting better and who has an eye for business and negotiation your thoughts queen Yeah, I I would
2: say, you know, one part of that is um, this is something that plagues people even into retirement age, right, like tying emotion to trading. I mean, when you talk about just specifically being in the stock market and what people tend to do um, is (laughs) when they see their accounts go down, they tend to panic, right, and they infuse their emotions into trading. And so, like, oftentimes Um, people that are in financial services will tell you, like, you have to disregard emotion because your emotions will get you in a bad position. Like, yeah, your account might be going down, but this is also your opportunity to buy investments at a cheaper price. Or this is also your opportunity to, like, make your dollar go further. And so, like, if you have not learned how to get those emotions out the way. You're always going to find yourself in a tough position when it comes to investing in real life. And so I think that's a great point that this is a fantastic way for people to be practicing how to separate their emotions from investing. Um, But then, you know, to the point of, like, doing this monthly, you can start building those skills and building it up, right? Like, I know a lot of people like to play spades and all of these things. but. Mm -hmm when mm-hmm. you talk about the psychology and just how beneficial this is. And even even in, in your example of like, you know, were they impacted by the love of their mother? But this also gives the parents the opportunity to like figure out what their kids know and learn from their children, right? Like this is mm-hmm. this is a two way relationship when you talk about a right. game where everyone can be learning from each other. And really, creating this really safe space in terms of trading and investing and talking about emotions, talking about how you're feeling and learning from each other, and not assuming that because you're the parent that you're going to know more that you can do better than your child. There's so much that can be learned from both party situations
0: no absolutely and and you know again, as somebody who loves to play you know, when I teach kids how to play to, you know, to a degree, um, I tell them, hey, here's how I played you in the deal after the game. I want to win, right? So I tell them, because I want them to learn. This is how I played mm-hmm. you so that they can evaluate that. And the next time I try that, they are better prepared, like you said, separating those emotions and things of this nature. Um, and real quick, I want to highlight this before we go to the uh, next break, the, even the concept of free money on the free money. So, you know, us putting money on the free money is based on what we're used to in our community is almost like going to the store to get a lotto ticket. And so mm-hmm. we create a rule that caters to a cultural psychology of lighting to get right. free money, liking to get free money. So it's really a negativity for why this rule even got made up because there's nowhere in Monopoly that says do that to the point where the rules now point out do not do it. Like when they realized (laughs) that it came to the phenomenon, it's not just something that black people did, you know what I'm saying? Just the monopoly, whatever, makers of monopoly or whatever, whoever. They figure that out. They put out, don't put money on free money because the goal is to bankrupt people. So you don't want to be giving people extra money for no reason and it prolongs right. the game. So just wanted to highlight that. You can get a quick thought before we go to break. It sounds like you want to say yeah, something.
2: Yeah, I, I was just gonna say like when I used to do education for 401k plans, people would just talk about how they would rather buy lottery tickets, right? And I'm like, I mean, I get it. You know, the law averages like at some point you do eventually have to win, but like. You don't have to be putting money aside like that. And, like, again, it's pooled money. So, you know, the lottery amounts that people are winning is based on everybody buying lottery tickets. And, like, sometimes it will pay off, but for most people it's not going to pay off to that effect that you should really be doing that, right? You should be finding a way to put your money to work for you instead of hoping for
0: this windfall of money and so for young youth playing monopoly the correct way without money on free money they learn how to as we continue to show you're going to find out they're learning what you just said how to make they will learn how to make money work for themselves and not even have that concept of wasting money lotto lotteries pay out typically in major cities they you, with their payout it's a one to fifteen dollar ratio in some cities in other words the city mm-hmm. collects dollars for every one it pays out that's why cities want it It builds a lot of money But unfortunately, a lot of those who don't have it Are funding the, these cities $15 to one It's you know, obviously right. for the individual They feel a certain way, but that's why the cities want it We'll be right back You're listening to the Methodist Law Talk Show Where all I ask is that you think If you're looking to purchase or sell a home In Atlanta's competitive real estate market There's only one real estate agent we call on afram abdullah not only is he honest and straightforward but he has a proven repeatable strategy that consistently gets his clients the homes they wanted versus their second or third choice what's Elfram's secret his virtual on the spot offer moves his clients to the front of the line for purchases and for sales his no-nonsense approach gets your home sold and off the market For a results oriented real estate experience, contact Ephraim Abdullah, a licensed agent powered by EXP Realty at 770 800 7922. Again, that number is 770 800
4: 7922. Take a look at the board state. I have houses, I have mortgage property, I mortgage my properties raise capital, to raise cash, to put into my houses. If you look at the board, my opponent, the dog, is coming around the mountain. They're going to be landing soon. Where am I going to put my fourth house? Virginia State or St. Charles? The most likely die roll is a seven. That's exactly where I'm going to put my house. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. States Avenue is where it is. Always look at the board state before you build houses to determine the most likely odds of them landing. Now, sure, Virginia is the most expensive, but the odds are this dog is going to hit State Avenue. Play the odds of the dice when you're building your houses.
0: Welcome back to the Mental Dialog Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Ashley Thomas. Ashley Thomas, CEO of Making Money Matters, for this morning's discussion question, why black families should have monthly Monopoly nights, as we hear another cut from the national champion of Monopoly breaking down how he in a sense, placed a house on States Avenue versus Virginia Avenue. And forgetting if you're familiar with Monopoly, Virginia is a little more expensive property, but he did it based on the roll of the dice. Before we get into even the strategy specifically to the roll of the dice, again, just even hearing that level of strategy is pretty dope to me when you think about that the game gives you that opportunity to to evaluate not not only the finance part, but there's even just, you know, just even that type of strategy is still something beautiful for your children to learn, if you will. But more importantly, when I heard him say this, Ashley, I want to hear your thoughts on this, when he said, I mortgage my properties for cash in order to buy these houses. That is the borrowing aspect that your family was leaving out, because in order to borrow money from the bank, you would mortgage your property, which is what we do in real life to a degree take a you know take a take a loan on our mortgage right so you mortgage mm-hmm. your property you know in the book and it shows you how much you'll get from the bank when you flip it over. I know when I was young i didn't even really know what that stuff was you know mm-hmm. what I mean only right. time I got it turned over was when i was did not have enough money and I would have to turn it over just to be able to pay someone. So I'm not using it as a strategy. I'm using it because I ain't got no money and I got to mortgage the house just to pay somebody that I owe. That's the only time I ever turned it over. Whereas he said, Hey, I got these properties. Basically what he's saying is I have these properties that I don't have a monopoly on. So therefore I can't build a home. So I use the cash in order to build a home on the, the monopoly that I have. Go ahead and jump in, Queen.
2: Yeah, I mean, just just thinking about where that would put you if you were thinking strategically about finances, I I just feel like even as I'm hearing these rules and his strategies, I was like, are, are people really thinking about Monopoly like this? Is this the same Monopoly? Everybody's <laughs> playing? because, I mean, when, when you think about it now as an adult and, like, what these lessons really are, you really realize how differently things could have been if you had that knowledge or if you were in a space within your circle where you were having these conversations or trying to learn that. And I, I think it's really beneficial for kids now because it's information age, right? Like it's, you can go to Google, YouTube, whatever, and look up this information and get a better understanding or have hundreds, if not thousands of people explaining the same concept. And so like, it, it's just so amazing that these kids could be learning these concepts and really building themselves up for a level of financial independence, financial literacy that was light years above and beyond where it was when I was growing up or even like thinking about my mom's generation. You know, like this is a whole different level of understanding the game and having the ability to apply it. Outside of the game. You know, like these are important strategies to understand because if you have the ability to correlate and say, like, this is what I did in Monopoly, let me see how I can apply it in real life, you really are starting out ahead of the game versus just treating it like a game, and I think that is um, part of strategic or critical thinking. Um, It it is more than just finances, right? It is also all of those other skills that you're learning and how to apply them outside of this game and applying them to real life. And I I just, I'm blown away by the information that I'm learning because I, I think of where would I be if I if I had thought about Monopoly this way or if it had been a game that we played in my family consistently and not necessarily something I did during the summer when I was out and I was with my cousins, right? Like this right. could be a strategy for increasing knowledge um, just by figuring out how we can get that the information
0: together. Simply yep. playing the game. So let me add this. Um, you know, I work I'm an after-school after program every day. And um, just, uh, just 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 in, in schools, this is something that's under well understood in education. You send your children to school; their most learning still takes place with play. And in some of the countries in which um, which are you know, America's is maybe tip, you know, council, what you're looking at. We're ranked anywhere between 20 and 30, maybe even have gotten below 30 as far as education is ranked in the world or whatever. Mm-hmm. But the, the top ten educations, they understand that children learn and play so much that their schooling has a lot of recess, more so than classes, believe it or not. Finley right. being typically ranked number one in the world, they have very a lot of play, very little language. So just keep that in mind that that's what educators understand about how children learn. So that's how I like that. And another thing I love to point out, and I love to simplify things. So I always tell people, you know, when I break down the game of Monopoly, just the terms mortgage, and then you know, what happens is, you know, if you decide to turn that property back over, then you pay back a little interest, right, to be in order to, you know, pay back that loan, if you will. What well, I always share with people, the first time I heard the words mortgage and interest, I was 11th grader in my economics class. It was the first time I even heard the words. And I said, so imagine mm-hmm. me as 11th grader, um, basically – I go in that class where I'm supposed to learn this term. Well, this is is a term foreign to me, so in a sense, I have to learn it, memorize it, and I memorize it for the test like most of us do, right? But it's completely different if one of my peers is already familiar with the word. That's one, two less words. They got to study for the test because they don't even know why they're familiar with it. They're just familiar with it because they've been playing Monopoly correctly. You know what I'm Mm -hmm. saying? Because that's what you learn subconsciously. You know, know, you're playing the game, trying to win a game, actually learning the actual, not only the definition, but the how and why of it. You understand that. So One less thing to have to get right on the test. Again, I like to simplify things, so I highlight that because you're getting introduced to, you know, again, strategists to that degree. So I always tell people, as long as, you know, just as a simple strategy for anybody that might want to now go play, if you have a... if you have a property, mortgage it until you have a monopoly because you want the cash to build up properties. Let me even highlight this. Again, the way I grew up playing, everybody wanted to land on boardwalk and, North, right. Cr- you know, the green and the blues. Again, kind of to our culture, thinking get the most expensive stuff because as the way without playing with the rules, you knew that you could make somebody pay a lot, right, if they landed on right. your property, and especially if you got a house. But the economics of monopoly with the amount of cash they give you, this is all figured out in how they play the game. In reality, you're overpaying, again, if you don't know the strategy, you're overpaying because what happens is houses cost $200 to build. So you're, you see what I'm saying? So your mm -hmm. cost ratio does not make it typically to your advantage to try to build those up. And so for people who understand that level of strategy, they gladly give you boardwalk. They gladly give you North Carolina because they hope you don't know that it's not cost effective to own those properties. And if you don't know and you've never learned that, you are so happy that they gave you boardwalk because they know they can have three houses on state states avenue before you get one house on boardwalk just based on the cash that they're carrying especially if they're mortgaging the properties they picked up at a in an auction for a lower price because they were able to bid low so just you know a a thought there go ahead and jump in real quick i want to get one more um idea out before the break go ahead Queen.
2: Yeah. I mean, when I when I think about when he mentioned, you know, looking at, like, how often a person will, the average roll of the die is going to be a seven, you know, and you think about how we have always focused on getting those more expensive properties versus you're still going to get a lot of money coming in if you buy those first couple of properties right from the start, knowing that most people are going to land there at some point. But again, we didn't focus on that. And so, like, How differently would it have been had we focused on, like, let me find a property that I can afford to get because if I can afford to get it, that means that I can probably also afford to, like, do these upgrades, get these Mm -hmm. properties on it. So then I could be bringing in more money straight out the <laughs> gate, right? It's not about the other side, the more expensive properties, because to your point, it's going to cost more to get houses on that. If you're going to try to be competing with other people that also don't understand the game trying to get those same properties, when I mean, you could focus on these things that it doesn't seem like a lot, but if you're getting something every single time somebody on the board rolls coming out of start, you're ahead of the game.
0: Absolutely. Um, Again, for the callers out there, if you're interested in getting in on this discussion, all you have to do is press 1. If you're listening, the number is 646-787-1691. The top of the second hour will be our open call hour you can talk about any issue. You can continue this conversation as Ashley will be leaving us, or you can jump into any other conversation. When we do our open dialogues, you bring the, the dialogue to the table. So I just wanted to highlight that. But one strategy, another other aspect of this that I wanted to get out is when we, again, the key to the game is trading, right? And so something that I love mm-hmm. to do is um, – actually run the price up because this is something that until you've played this way, you would have never, you never see it. So sometimes I will put something up for auction because I know somebody really wants it and the way I've evaluated the board. So what happens is people will go in and the auction starts. Let's say the property is $150. So somebody will say $25. Next person says 30. I don't want to put it up for auction. Next person says 50 or whatever. So the property is 150. I'll say $155. And they're like, What? What you want to pay more for it than what it is? I don't want the property, but I know who does is gonna say one sixty. Right. right? So everybody else falls out and that person's looking at me like, what are you doing? And I'm like one sixty five I can I say one sixty one. They're like, What? Okay, one because 'cause I've evaluated the situation and know that they right. need it that they
5: I'm that also,
0: property. I'm also, you know, that you know, in I know like in real life you can't necessarily do this, but these are the type of things you can get aware of. If they're cash-strapped, I can make them use their money to get the property they want, and now they can't build up later. It's the same thing in the housing market where they tell you, Find distressed properties. There's all type of reasons why people may be distressed. They may may need to move. They may not be able to pay the mortgage anymore. And people may say, oh, you're you're exploiting someone, but it's the reality of how the real world works and know that the world is doing that to you. Why not learn it during a game of Monopoly? We are up against a break. We'll be right back. Listen to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think, Are you intimidated by money? Well, this is a question most people never think to ask themselves. But when forced to think about it, many people realize they have unrecognized fears that truly affect how they deal with money. If you want to learn more about money and the fears that keep you from prosperity, join us for Making Money Matter Mondays, where money meets mental health with personal finance coach, Ashley Thomas, and psychotherapist, Dr. Katrina Pitt. Every second Monday of the month, find out if you're intimidated by money what to do about it. To receive a link to this free Zoom event, please DM the Make It Money Matter on the Mental Dialogue Instagram pages, or contact
4: 404-604-9477. Take a look at the board state. We're in the medium stage of the game, getting towards the late game. I'm in good shape with houses on the pink properties. I do have a thread on the board. My opponent has houses on the green properties. At this point, my main objective is to build on my pink properties. That's number one. So I'm going to mortgage my yellows, get some more money, build on the pinks. But I also have my eye on one more thing, and that is that mortgaged Oriental Ave across the way. You see, my opponent here has the two light blues. They could easily trade or buy that third property and build on those. Maybe they'll take down their houses on the greens and build on the light blues. The bottom line is the greens aren't as much of a threat as that one light blue property is. So I'm gonna try to make a little bit of an offer. It's a mortgage property. It's not worth much, if anything, to that owner. I'll maybe offer them 30, 40, $50, try to get that property. Try to get it out of their hands. Because if that property ends up in the hands of the owner with the greens, they can build on those, and then I'll be in some more trouble. So try to buy that mortgage property if you can.
0: Welcome back to the Dial Law Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Soccer team along with special guest Ashley Thomas, CEO of Making Money Matters. This morning's discussion question, why black families should have monthly monopoly nights as we hear another cut from the National Monopoly champion. Um, but before we get into that cut, I got Brother Piaki wants to get on as well. Uh, I wanted to highlight Making Money Matters Mondays, um, which is uh, an event myself and Ashley basically put on private Zooms where mental health and money meet. So if you will, Queen, uh, just highlight, again, that event. I'm really excited about Monday. We're not going to do a live Zoom because it is Valentine's Day, but we did put together a super special show for them. Um, uh, No, not show, but uh, basically a, a, a broadcast for them so that people still will get information out and they can kind of watch it on their own time. And we're going to drop it first thing Monday morning so you can watch it at any time you want. You can watch it on Tuesday or whatever. But if you will, just Mm -hmm. speak to that event. And, again, I'm glad to be partnered with you to to do this for our community. Go ahead, Queen.
2: Yeah. So um, we take the second Monday of every month, and we just have a conversation about different things regarding finances and with having Dr. Pittman on there, we're able to go ahead and take a look at how your mental health could be impacting that very conversation we're having um, we have talked about you know why it might be difficult for you to actually make the changes that you want with your finances and like things that you could be doing right so even when we're presenting all of this great information about how you could be making changes or things that you should be considering. Sometimes we're not able to make those changes because of our own traumas and triggers. And so these conversations are so pivotal in helping us identify areas where maybe you weren't even aware that, hey, I can't make this or I haven't been traditionally making this decision because I have these other issues going on in the background that I'm not even aware of. So our goal with these conversations is to bring awareness to both finances and mental health to help you achieve the things that you really want and know what's going on in the background with yourself so, that you are as successful as you can be while also tackling those mental health issues. Again, we are doing this free conversation every second Monday of the month. Um, it's generally about an hour long. We typically go longer than that because the conversations are so great. Um, if you want to find a, a, out about these conversations, you want to join. And it's an open platform. So, you get to ask your questions with real professionals and get the assistance that you need. Um, and so, you can. DM myself or Montoya just so that you can be a part of those conversations, again, every second Monday of the month.
0: No, absolutely. So glad to be putting that on. And Monday, again, we won't be live because it's Valentine's Day, but we will put out a broadcast. And we're talking about should you try to get the biggest tax refund. We brought on uh tax. Tax professional Kimberly Fowler, and um, she basically gave us the game on what that looks like, and even the mentalities behind wanting to receive wow. a large tax refund versus what's financially sound. But to get back into this morning's discussion, question: Why black families should have monthly lights. I got benafflex. I got brother Piyanka who wants to jump in and give us his three cents. All right, brother Piyanka, we got you live, uh, live on the air with the Thanks for calling in, King.
6: Well, good morning, Montoya, and uh, to your guests. You know, uh, mental health mental health can be affected by sleep deprivation. You can either be up all night worrying about all the bills you owe, or you can be up all night worrying about all looking at all the money you're making. My goodness, I never thought about this. But uh, Mm -hmm. you know, you're talking about. The old cliche is never buy any. If, if you buy, never buy anything today that you can't sell on next Friday. And in your network, if you know somebody is looking for a piece of property, you can secure their property through options. You can offer the owner an option to buy in thirty days for a fixed price that they're looking for. And once you get that option, you go to the person that's really looking for their property and say, I got just what you need. And, of course, you can add on whatever amount you want to. That works all the time. Uh, That's a way that uh, people have been doing for quite some time in options, similar to what you see options with stock. You can control a stock that you don't own with a fraction of the cost. Does that make sense?
0: No, yes. I definitely understand it, again, and and what we're doing, I don't know how much you've been listening, to uh, Brother Piyaki, but we've really just been really focused on um, getting parents to understand how the game of Monopoly will inter- introduce a lot of the concepts, like even what you're talking about to a degree, um, to their children prior to them becoming adult age or possibly in college because we're always always talking about in the education system how the education system doesn't make us financially literate, and college actually doesn't either to a degree unless you choose to take a class. So we're just highlighting that there's this family game that if you would Again, I don't know how much you've been listening, but if we would just basically once a month get your family together, not to include all the quality time that that adds in a generation now where people are, you know, on their stuck on their phones all the time, so that's that added value as well, but we've just been talking about playing Monopoly by all of the rules because the rules teach you financial strategy that you can evaluate for example which one of your children might be the one you want to leave leave the estate from because you spent years evaluating who understands business because believe it or not this game shows how people are emotionally connected to money or not. I tell people all the time when we play, I can tell with adults who's stingy, who who likes to invest, who makes smart deals. So why not evaluate that in your children by playing this game monthly? Um, give me, I'll give you a quick thought, thought on that, but I appreciate your three cents as well, um, uh, Brother Pianchi.
6: Oh, that's a good idea.
0: Having yeah, fun while learning at the same time. Absolutely, absolutely. That's what we're stressing today is that, you know, just encouraging, you know, as a community, often I hear us complaining about not having enough of financial literacy, and there's so so much literacy that can be learned by doing it this way. So thanks a lot for your three cents this morning. I'm going to contact
6: you later on sometime, maybe today or in the next few days. I like talking to this young lady,
0: too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, You know, I can link y'all up. Yeah, give me a call. All right. Uh, absolutely, yeah, Brother Piaf, is a long-time listener, long-time supporter. Um, and as we said, ultimately, as I mentioned, if you're just now tuning in, that ultimately we are a virtual neighborhood that connect people. So we, you know, again, while this show right here is a, is, again, I call it a fun show because it's not one of our serious sex, racial, culture shows, but it's, it's a benefit to the culture when we think about it. I want to jump back to the cut real briefly as well. So I only have Ashley for a few more minutes. So I hope the callers out there, y'all gonna hold me down in the second hour after I'll talk to let Ashley go. But uh, one thing that I also heard um, that I wanted to really, really highlight was um, how that the guy was saying, hey, he was thinking about in the, in the game that there's a guy who has all the green properties. He said he didn't see them as much, which we already kind of spoke to, but he was more worried about if that guy who had some houses on the green property had access to another play, player that could give him a monopoly on the light blue properties, which are on the first row. Again, as we talked about in the beginning, usually we didn't even care about it. But now that you understand the cost, um, you know, benefit of having those type of properties, you heard him say, yeah, if he gets that blue property, he probably will tear down the houses on the green because they're expensive to buy and quickly build up that blue. And he said that scares him. So what he wanted to do was buy the mortgage property by another player. He wanted to buy it to protect it to ensure that player never got it. That alone is just the strategy of that alone is something I never, ever thought about until I learned to play by the rules. I'm constantly Mm -hmm. also evaluating what could be a threat. So he's saying, hey, I probably could get it for very cheap because that guy already has it mortgaged. He doesn't care about it. So let me buy it before the guy who I'm worried about getting it buys it. So, again, just a deep thought if you think about just from the game itself. um, so if you could give me a quick thought on that, and I want to get out one last concept before we let you go.
2: Yeah, I, I think it just comes down to this this important skill of being strategic, right? It, it, it's all about strategy, and I think that is something that is lacking. I know just for me growing up, like, it's something that was lacking because you have not been taught or learned how to think about things not just for right now. And I think a lot of the, a lot of things that impact our community is that short sightedness, right? We're looking for things today or what's going to happen in the short term and when you think about the overall concept of the game, it's really about, yes, you have to be concerned about what's happening right now, but you also need to be forward thinking. What is your mm-hmm. next move? What is your move after that? Because you have to be thinking about, you know, if this happens, then I need to do this. But there are other people in the game. So what what actions will they take? How will it impact you? And when you right. can think that way, you have the ability to be always calculating what your next move is, right? Your next move needs to be your best move. And I think Monopoly really teaches that skill because you are constantly thinking it's no longer about the game. It's about the strategy behind it as well. And really thinking about how other people's actions are going to impact yours so that you can still get the most benefit out of it all. And I I just think that that's invaluable to learn. And I think it's something, even though – I'm older than I was when I played when I was younger, you know, I, I think of how valuable that could be to me now because, again, this is not just about finances. This is also about being strategic in your career, being strategic in your estate planning, in your legacy building, right? What are the moves that you want to be taking, and how are the moves that you're making right now impacting or moving those puzzle pieces for the future?
0: Yep, and the last thing that I always tell people, and I know I don't have you for a short time, so I'm going to extend it just a couple of minutes just to get this out because I want people to hear it, because we're about to move into the open hour, which is the next hour. We're going to move off this topic. We typically do our topics for two hours if you're a first-time listener, but we're doing an open hour where you can call in and talk about whatever you choose. Uh, But the last concept that I always share with people, I always ask this question whenever I do it at the event. I says, if you have four properties and have an opportunity to buy a hotel, should you? And most people answer is absolutely because everybody looks at how much somebody owes if they land on your property with a hotel. And typically the rule for those who really understand the strategy is absolutely not. Because at the end of the day, there are 36 houses in the game, right? And so by buying a property, by buying a hotel, you now give other people opportunity to build up their properties in which you may have to pay versus creating intentionally creating
3: mm-hmm.
0: in the market which a lot of times once you get higher up in business and if you become an industry player, sometimes you manipulate the market that way. And so now we're getting even to more advanced thought processes of even the strategies that we just mentioned. So you intentionally treat scarcity. Now you also can get in auctions and drive pricing up based on the scarcity that you've created in the game by keeping your four houses on your three properties and not buying a hotel. So those that don't know, you love when they buy hotels because you can buy properties and start getting money back. So just something that was super deep wanted to share that. Um, Thank you, Queen, for coming on. Any last thoughts that you have before I let you go? Um, But thank you so much for holding me down for the first hour. Hopefully you callers that are on the line, some of y'all, hopefully y'all will press one and hold me down because I don't want to spend an hour just talking to myself. So hopefully y'all can call in and help me out. But Go ahead, Queen. Thanks again for being with me.
2: Yeah, I, I just think that this is a phenomenal idea. I know that we've had conversations about this in relation to, you know, things that we plan on doing with the Making Money Matter Mondays. But, you know, just this is an opportunity for us to be teaching ourselves in that future generation. This is an opportunity to learn, to be investing that quality time. Um, and, and really just thinking about the future while also being here, right? Like the time goes by fast, and that was one thing that I learned in working with participants in 401K. People will always just talk about how they started working 20, 30 years, just flew by, right? And and if we are not being prepared for the future, if we are not forward thinking, if we are not being strategic, we are really setting ourselves up for a disservice, and we're setting up those those generations behind us, our children, our grandchildren, we're also doing a disservice to them. And when I think about, like, how long this game has been around and how long people have been having, you know, these game nights, how different are the conversations within our community versus another community? What tips and tricks or um, little nuggets of knowledge are people passing along that we just have not been doing? And this is one way that we can be trying to catch up and, and really doing it in a manner that isn't just so dull and boring that some people tend to think that comes with finance. This is a fantastic way to not only get that quality time in, but to also really see where somebody's mindset is at and really try to find people in your circle that can circumvent or discuss those issues that they're having. If they don't understand their emotions or why they made that decision, right? Like, Who can you pull into that conversation into the next game night to talk about emotions and overcoming it? It's not just the money. There are so many other aspects behind it. And if we can use this as a, as a place to be open, and create it as a safe space to like really dissect what's going on with each other, we can move ahead because we're having those conversations. It's just game night, but we're having strategic conversations about being moving forward and being strategic. And that's so much more important than who's winning the game or not.
0: No, absolutely. Thank you for your time, Queen. We're all going to go to our top of the hour break. Um, this is, we are moving into the second hour, open dialogue hour, where you can call in. And so hopefully y'all hold me down, because again, I don't want to do this by myself. So please hit the number 646-787-1691. Again, that's 646 646- 7871691 press 1 to let us know you want to speak thank you Ashley I'll uh, we'll see you talk to you well, well we'll we'll play the Making money matters broadcast on monday so I'm looking forward to getting that out there as well so thank you queen for holding me down
2: all right thanks so much i will
0: right, we'll be right back well, all i ask is that you think I like money
3: may I like money If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong?
0: Or how about this one? Excuses made zero dollars an hour.
3: I like those. What's their IG?
0: At moneymotivation.co.
3: But do they have any ladies gear? Yes,
0: you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. And everywhere I be. I don't even talk, talk. they see with me. Cause I look like money, Smell like money, talk like money, even walk like
7: For all the success stories that we see in traders, there are countless others, thousands, even millions of others, of unsuccessful people who were wiped out. Again, that money had to come from somewhere. These are the first questions that keep you in the game because, again, what trading is not, is not a game. Trading is a practice. It's art and science in a way that if you do it correctly, you can make money. This course is designed to help you as a trader, as a young, burgeoning trader, or if you've had some experience and maybe some difficulties in trading, to understand the elements. That are involved in what makes trading as hard and competitive, and hopefully see some of the success that you probably thought that you would have in the first place.
0: Welcome back to the Method Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, aka Black Socrates. This is our second hour open dialogue hoping that you will get in and we can discuss any issues you would choose, anything that's in the news. Uh, before that, I wanna highlight uh, both of my sponsors here, the money motivation um dot com. Money Motivation is a streetwear clothing line that is amazing. If you follow me on social media, I'm quite often wearing their amazing gear. So they've been a long-time sponsor. And one of our newer sponsors, uh, Blacks Academy, some of you may have tuned into the show where we were discussing the difference between investing and trading. And we are fortunate enough to have on another long-time member and supporter, um, Platinum Platinum member, uh, Michael Sutler. And he was introducing his blacks academy which again our ultimate goal here is to be a virtual nationwide neighborhood and so if you think about a neighborhood where you basically refer one another because you know each other we bring you vetted people who are doing things correctly not just the hype and so this brother has spent um, 17 years as a commodity trading advisor owns his own company if you will and he's now jumped into the space to be very different than a lot of the hype that you're seeing out here. And so if you're looking to get into trading and are investing, which they are definitely two different skill sets, I would highly recommend that you look up Black's Academy. That's B-L-A-X-E Academy to learn that skill with basically a proper foundation versus being out here not knowing what you're doing. Uh, With that said, again, this is the second hour of the show as we were just discussing why black families should have monthly monopoly nights. If you did get the chance to tune in, hopefully you are excited or or willing to implement again, a family game night that, That, you know, that could be wonders in itself if you were just doing it once a month, again, especially as I mentioned prior on the prior hour, I'm not going to belabor this because, again, I hope we get into some other discussions based on what y'all want to talk about. But I just wanted to highlight the additional benefit of spending time with your family in that manner. And as um, my previous guest said, Ashley Thomas said, yeah, we could play spades in the games that we like to play, but there's an opportunity here. um, If you literally, literally sit down and read all the rules, which, again, we were joking about how typically the reason we end up making up different rules for board games is because we don't read all the directions, if you will. But if you were to follow Monopoly to the fullest, you definitely can bankrupt people, which is the intentions, and make everybody broke broke, and somebody actually win the game. But uh, the bigger point is all that is learned along the way because there's so much strategy just from playing the game correctly. And your children, to a degree, will pick it up just from the continuous play. But even better yet, as parents being intentional, possibly, you do it once a month and discuss how your child could have played better. And hopefully you see the improvement at the next game. Again, this is something that I would love to see African-American families implement on a continuous basis. And, you know, imagine being an adult and you make moves, whether it's in real estate and finance or just in business in general. And when people, you know, somebody, you know, you know, how, um, Especially today in the information age, you are able to highlight a lot of people who are trendsetters or doing well in various aspects of business. Imagine you being a parent and your child gets interviewed and they highlight, My family game, Monopoly Nights, nice, set me up for this because there are so many concepts from that simple game that will serve them in the business world. And it, again, gives, our, in my opinion, our community a head start on a lot of the information that we always say we regret that we did not get or we don't do enough of. Or there's plenty of organizations that, you know, do a lot of financial literacy stuff that, you know, based on how busy we are and things of that nature, we may or may not get to. But a family game night would create that excitement, bring camaraderie camaraderie in the family. And as I've always tell my members, the biggest aspect is being able to identify the 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 child that you want to leave the estate to again with the idea that you are looking to create generational wealth like it's a game but you're not playing it just for the game you're game you're playing it for them to learn financial literacy as well as ultimately to identify who might be the best to leave the estate to because hopefully that's what you're thinking about hopefully you are thinking about estate planning uh, as something that you want to do As far as generational wealth Got a caller that wants to get in Again, this is the open dialogue hour If you're on the line, you do have to press 1 To let me know you want to speak Area code 571-237 last three, 237. Give us your name, where you're calling from And your three cents on any topic Of your choosing this morning Thanks a lot for calling in <laughs> on the open dialogue hour
8: Alright, well good morning Montoya This is Emil out in uh, Northern Virginia How you been, brother?
0: How you doing, King? Well, you know I'm gonna keep you on if somebody knock you out, cause you you know you that you that guy. You, anytime you don't know, email is not only a platinum level member, but he dropped like four cents anytime he comes to the show. So what you want to talk about, King?
8: So uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna kick it off with this uh, with what uh, your host Ashley talked about, co-host talked about a minute ago. When it comes to money issues, we get emotional, and one of the things that we got to start thinking about is we can't turn off emotion. we got to start using them wisely. So a lot of what we say, you know, disregard your emotion or turn off your emotion or don't use your emotion is kind of the wrong way, in my opinion. you got to start learning how your brain processes information and then make decisions amidst emotion. Right. So sometimes when, you're, let's say, your portfolio looks like it's going south, it's, it's tanking a little bit because uh, the general market is, and you start to feel that panic, that panic is a real emotion. That doesn't mean you disregard it. You ask yourself, what does this panic tell me? Does it tell me that I need to sit down and relax? Does this panic tell me that I need to make an active decision on my portfolio? Or does it mean I need to just um, go find some space and time and go do something with myself until this time passes? We have to start reading our emotions rather than just saying my emotions are blanket bad or blanket good or blanket useless or blanket Mm -hmm. useful, and say, what do my emotions tell me? And part of it is, especially men in our culture and in our community, we're not taught to check in with our emotions as Mm -hmm. a way to understand ourselves. So a lot of us, we are emotional, but we don't have any way to regulate ourselves because we're not taught at the barbershop, on the football team, except channel it into something aggressive, something perhaps sexual or something. We don't use our emotions to say, okay, how do I use this emotion to trigger good things in my life, to help me refocus on things that are important to me, to help me sit down when I'm too intense or too uh, engaged in something. And a lot of times if we're, in close proximity to something that is emotional, we don't have good judgment. We need to be able to say to ourselves, my emotions are too intense, whether good or bad, for me to make a good decision right now. So let me step back, take some time, let the emotions sort of calm down, and then decide what to do. We need to be able to check in with our emotions more effectively.
0: No, I love it. And, you know, to be fair to – Ashley, and again, I know that's not your focus here because what you're saying is the most important. Um, she's a hundred percent about that. You know that's that's why we have making money matters just to highlight it because she was so concerned. Like she could teach people the nuts and bolts of finances, but she was she's so in tune with the fact that your emotions need to be understood exactly like you're saying. You know what I mean? That that's why she brought the mental health in. So just you know, just from her standpoint. She believes everything you just said, and she didn't necessarily – she didn't say turn them off, but I'm glad that you said – you brought it in because we do need to learn to talk better about our emotions, and that's what you're highlighting more so than anything, and so that's absolutely, oh, absolutely. appreciated. Matter, matter of fact, she's trying to jump back in. I'm pretty sure she's going to say a lot what I said because, again <laughs> – She wanted to bring in mental health. Well, I, I met her years ago and told her to start what she's doing years ago, and she refused to because she didn't want to just teach money without what you just said. So I do want to highlight to her credit. She absolutely knows that. And, and again, even if you heard it that way, the beauty is you're bringing the clarity because at the end of the day, we don't think to talk to our emotions the way that you're talking right now. You know what I mean? Unfortunately. And so that's not that's, enough. That's, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's a very unfortunate thing. It reminded me of a meme I saw just a week and a half ago that says, um, unfortunately, black men... A lot would deal with their trauma by getting wealthy. So it speaks to exactly to what you just said. Uh, We are up against the break. So, uh, brother, I do got another um, sister that I wanted to bring on. So if you will, come off the one. If you want to come back in later, I definitely will appreciate that. No problem. Alright, we're going up against break Ashley, I see you out there I'm going to get you in after I bring on Mr. Le- Ms. Ms. LaDietra White Who I did ask to call this morning We're going to go in a completely different direction But we'll get back to that point as well Just so you know We're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show Where all I ask is that you think
3: Hey, where did you get that hat and t-shirt? I like that
0: Oh, I got this at moneymotivation.com It's fresh, right?
3: Yes, and I love the message on it too You are the hustle, huh?
0: That's what the shirt says, I am the hustle They embody the entrepreneurial spirit And what I like the most It's more than a brand, it's a lifestyle For those who want to put in the work And expect to have the final things in life I also follow them on Instagram Check this post out
3: If you believe money is the root of all evil You're using it wrong?
0: Or how about this one, excuses made $0 an hour
3: I like those What's their IG?
0: At moneymotivation.co.
3: But do they have any ladies gear? Yes,
0: you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. And everywhere I be, be. I don't even talk, talk. They still go with me. Because I look like money. LNG Technology Services, we are your industry leader in aircraft and heavy equipment repair services. In commercial business for over 15 years, LNG technicians have over 150 years of equipment-specific knowledge and are known industry-wide for returning worn-out, broken, and overused ground support equipment back to the user in working better than new conditions. For a service job done right at a value unparalleled in the industry, contact LNG Technology Services at 478 781 4860. Again, for a service job done right, that number is 478-781-4860. LNG Technologies is a Mental Dialogue Gold member and proud sponsor of the Mental Dialogue community. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, aka Black Socrates. I have to highlight Man, the universe is amazing right now. Um and I've had um, so many on-air connections and I'm just blown away. Like when we did the best of mental dialogue, I was playing like cuts from our best shows last year and quite often the the next caller would be somebody that was actually on the air that we were showcasing their cut. And right now I have to highlight what's happening right now inside of our community club. The brother I just had on the mill, Brian is a platinum level member. LNG technologies basically is a black level member. Now, not a gold member. We just haven't changed the commercial. They just re upped a two year sponsorship. The reason that matters is because when I tell you, our goal is to be a virtual neighborhood where African-Americans learn to trade ideas, goods and services email and LNG technology are working on a major deal with the government don't want to say too much but it's going forward and they're moving forward the reason it really matters to me is because LNG and money motivation the other commercial they've been my longest sponsors LNG technology based on what they do it's not as easy for me to connect people because they do aircraft equipment they a lot of people sitting around in that space to be able to connect them they just have been a supporter is coming back to fruition, even for them, even though they're a industry leader in a unique industry that I can't just run around and say, hey, do you have an aircraft that needs this type of uh, work? They're getting their payback, too. That's this neighborhood. This is why we exist. I now also am bringing on another amazing um, repeat to the show, Ms. LaDietra White. How you doing, Queen? I had to highlight that. Hello. Oh. Can you hear me? Oh, the- Yes, I can hear you coming through loud and clear. Thank you, Auntie. As uh, as I call you, Miss Miss, Miss G. That's our inside track between us (laughs) and Miss Deesha White. This is an amazing sister. Anytime you look up mental dialogue and you see her name, you need to tune into that show. But thank you so much for jumping on with me real quick, Queen. I wanted to highlight a post that you and I were interacting on, so I'll let you kind of say who you are and just jump it off, and we'll have a quick dialogue about that because I think there are some things that we could, you know, learn from in this open second hour, open dialogue hour. Go ahead, Queen. Thank you for being with me.
5: Black Dr. Cheese, thanks for having me once again. I feel at home I, um, my name is Laditra. I'm a native, I'm going to say native Atlanta because I've been here for so long. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> I reside over in the Decatur area, entrepreneur, community activist, um, five time author, and just so happy to be here. Um, you want me to set up the post, or you want to yeah, go ahead, okay, let's up? do it. Let's just jump right in because this is
0: this is a second hour. We could just jump right in on different subjects. So yeah, just jump right in.
5: Awesome, awesome, awesome. So um, I I told, I happened to be leaving my neighborhood yesterday, and I, I was captivated by a visual. That visual was a family. Um, that it was apparently um, Hispanic. So I don't know if they were Mexican, Puerto Rican. I don't know their native. Yeah. You know, right. heritage, but they appeared. I'm going to assume that they were Mexican because most, uh, that's most po- that that population is very paramount. Right. Long right. and short of it is, I think the youngest person on, they were doing a roof, my neighbor's roof. And I would say the youngest person I saw might have been 16. The eldest, oh, per- you just saw multi generations and you saw a family working together to put, working together as a family to put a roo- new roof on my neighbor's house. And the reason why I was so captivated by it, because it reminds me of how communal that looked, how absolutely um, um, hopeful they were as a family to get to a destination together and success to them meant working together as a family, empowering one another and making, you know, something good come out of it. And so I posted that and I got a lot of comments. Now you came in with some not not um surprisingly at all some a really exceptional point, and I'd like you to speak to that point
0: no absolutely uh, I'm always big about big into context, so to further highlight the post and I loved your posts um because um, it is beautiful to see a, a generational family moving that moving – that. I have an upcoming book myself, my first book, so you're five times ahead of me, but hopefully my book will come out <laughs> and be as successful as yours, but I have an upcoming awesome. book uh, called Necessary Conversations. Just My Three Cents on Race, Sex, and Culture, and I have a few of their commentaries. So I have a couple of commentaries highlighting how, if you will, Mexican immigrants may, you know, come to the country and have success in that manner, right, where they will work together, whether it be within side of, you know, like you said, generational families, or they may come as a group, all live together and get into, you know, construction or that kind of thing, or, you know, whatever industries they're in, but they'll do it and eventually have some success. And so I love seeing that. And as you said, they're communal, part of their culture. Culture is something that you're raised into and kind of taught from a young age, right? And so I, like yourself, love to highlight it. And then as people were commenting on your post in agreement, uh, there happened to be another post that said, uh, to a degree, um, we used to be that way prior to integration. And we did not we and we shouldn't have lost that once we integrated and that post was pretty safe, if you will, but I want to provide more context because when I see those when I see those type of posts in response to yours, which again was a beautiful post i there's a in my opinion there's an underlying thought that we as African Americans don't move that way, that we don't do that that's an underlying thought. And that type of thought lacks a lot of context based on the reality of what happened to us in this country. And so it is fair having someone who's been in sales and sold to all cultures. I definitely see a definite difference in, in a sense, how the Asian community trusts one another In, in general. I'm generalizing here, but I see that in how I sell. And then when people assume that our community is not like that, I know that that's not not factual. Any any time that we've had any semblance of culture built, but our culture has been divided intentionally, and it plays a role in what we see. And we just assume we're not like that, or we say it in a way that we're there's as if something is inherently wrong with us, without realizing. No culture will show up and work together in that manner if they've been intentionally divided as we have. So I know I said a lot there, but I'm going to let you jump in. Wow. Right
5: yeah. So I'm uh, here's a distinction I'd like you to make. I I believe that we band together well. So, in other words, we stick together well, but do we work together well? You're fine. Mm-hmm. So
0: um, I think that's a great distinction. It's a great distinction. I just like to highlight the why it's because that's what I, you know, when, at, when I was on your post, I kept going to the why, right? So, uh-huh. I, so highlighting the why is how we improve things. I'm not saying you're doing this because I think that's a great distinction that oh, you make. Oh,
5: I see. So, you're saying it could, let's just understand how we got here. Is that your point? Yes, because then we could
0: actually come up with a solution because of what, what happens is we're quite often having discussions only with the results. It's not that like the guy who jumped on your post is wrong. I'm not saying he's wrong, right? But right. our dialogue is simply on the results. Without figuring out the why, you will never answer how to change it. So that's why I'm always focused on the context for, like you said, band together well but don't work together well. That's a fair thought, but if I if we ask why, Have we not been implemented with a seed of distrust from a lot of years that is still with us? And if you just simply say that we don't, it ain't as simply as saying that we should. You have to deal with the seeds of distrust And where that comes from, and once you improve that area, we will work together just like everyone else.
5: I do agree with you. And and for illustration, for illustration, there are. I like that you said African Americans are plagued by this stigma, this history, because I've been I traveled around the world and I've been to a whole lot of dark places, right, where people Mm of color, you know, nations. And one mm-hmm. of the things that I noticed is there are parts of the world where people were ne- who have remained in their native heritage and native land and native place of origin, they do work too. They do behave like the Hispanic people, right? So it wasn't, they do. I've seen it in Kenya. I've Woo-hoo. seen it in, you know, parts of South Africa. I've seen it in Cape Town. They do. They keep it all in the family. They work together. Everybody's got a basket on their head if that's what they're doing, you know, if they're in market and all You know what I mean? They do. Well, there is no breaking of that bond. I believe, like, as you believe, that once we enter into all of the other things that we're, stig- you know, all of the other oh, sins, if you will, that have been forced upon us in, in what we call this great USA, that's when all of this. You know, disenfranchisement starts to happen So not only is it happening around us It's happening within our families Because everybody is fighting For survival, and sometimes that means We end up turning on each other You know, I got mine, now you get yours It's really sad
0: Right, and so what happens is It's sad, but we all Now that we're on the, you know, we're What is it, 400 years on the tail end of it Right, so people will hear right. it the That I'm making an excuse Like that's how they will hear it and we'll say, yeah, it's sad that we're this way. But if you realize that it took a lot of years to get us to this place, the, the getting out of it isn't simply say it Isn't simple as don't do that because the reason you see it around the world, humans in general, if they're going to build anything, they create a culture to do it. That's just what humans do. However, right. however, if your circumstances is we we own some land like you know I brought this up on your post we we own 15 million acres of formable land in 1920 I think it was right 1925 now today that's five million acres of formable land so now that we're a hundred years removed from it this is what we'll say today we'll be like look look when we was when we was segregated we had 15 million now today we only got five million we'll reduce it to a linear a linear thought such as this. As if we're, we're saying it as if something's wrong with us, as as if we don't economically think, but if I break down to you how the 15 million if I go show you systematically, about specifically systematically, whether it was uh, what's the uh, what's the domain thing they use with the government, um, the, the building of highways in the middle of our different Enclaves that we yeah. had at the time. So when I go show you systemically what was done and even illegal land deals for how fifteen million goes to five, that's not our people not thinking it economically. It was a strategic attack from nineteen twenty to nineteen seventy to remove that land. And that and, and, and based on you know our involvement in the government, or where we were considered in this country. There was no stopping that, and that has nothing to do with what was wrong. What's wrong with us? But we will look yeah. at the time now and say there's something wrong with us. I. It's really a disgrace to our ancestors who understood the concept of getting that land in the first place. They didn't just give it away. It's, it's true. So
5: those levies are intentional. Are intentional. Those, those levies are ways of taking up. our land, right? But I have to I have to I have to address something because this is there's not one reason, right? It's there's probably not even a three there's not even a three legged stool here. Right. One of the right. things right. that has been most successful is, is 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 if you really want to destroy a culture, have them turn have them self hate, right? So that's been the most powerful tool that's been of used course. to kind of separate to, to divide us. If you get us to self hate, then all of the other parts become easy. If you've got people, exactly. run, and, I, and I, I don't want to turn this into a true discussion of integration where we tend to, you know, um, marry and integrate with other cultures and have babies, that's not really the point I want to make. But the point is, when you're always flat, holding this, you know, shiny diamond and said, th- this is what beauty looks like, this is what success looks like, and it always looks like somebody else, you, ha- you get us starting to question our own value. And so we don't start to pursue building, uh, amassing, creating um, assets because we're so busy trying to become somebody we're not. You see what I'm saying? Trying to be like those people. We we forget about all of the, the real love, the real value, the real truth that's all around us. Yeah, absolutely. Let me say this: and
0: I gotta go to a break. I'll keep you on if you got time, because I love this conversation. But it's up to you. Um, but ultimately, what you're saying, and this is, and again, this is what culture gives you, right? So when we have a culture broken up, so what happens is, due to a lack of int- lack of intrinsic value. We basically end up trying to find value in trinkets that we can put on our bodies or what we have oh, yeah. or what we earn, oh, which it. goes to the very point that you're making. That's the number one factor. Again, like you said, not the only factor, but when you start there. And so when when, when, when that truth is understood, should we really have a bunch of disdain for when we see the action 40 years later? 60 years later, should we have a disdain if we haven't addressed the intrinsic value? So the answer is to address the intrinsic value, not shame the actions we see today. That's what we right. spend time doing. All right, let me go to this break. Queen, do you got time? I'll keep you. If you don't, I'll let I'll you go. I'll be
5: here. All right, cool. go to
0: this break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Ashley, I'm going to get you back on because I would love to hear your thoughts on this as well. I'll, we'll be right back. Okay. If you're looking to purchase or sell a home in Atlanta's competitive real estate market, there's only one real estate agent we call on, Elfram Abdullah. Not only is he honest and straightforward, but he has a proven repeatable strategy that consistently gets his clients the homes they wanted versus their second or third choice. What's Elfram's secret? His virtual on-the-spot offer moves his clients to the front of the line for purchases and for sales, his no-nonsense approach gets your home sold and off the market. For a results-oriented real estate experience, contact Ephraim Abdullah, a licensed agent powered by EXP Realty at 770-800-7922. Again, that number is 770-800-7922.
7: For all the success stories that we see in traders, there are countless others, thousands, even millions of others, of unsuccessful people who were wiped out. Again, that money had to come from somewhere. These are the first questions that keep you in the game because, again, what trading is not, is not a game. Trading is a practice, is art and science in a way that if you do it correctly, you can make money. This course is designed to help you as a trader, as a young, burgeoning trader, or if you've had some experience and maybe some difficulties in trading, to understand the elements that are involved in what makes trading as hard and competitive and hopefully see some of the success that you probably thought that you would have in the first place.
0: Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, aka Black Socrates. This morning, we are on our second hour open dialogue. The first hour was Why Black Families Should Have a Monthly Monopoly nights. Uh, I've had my Queen of Intellect member, Ashley Commons, holding me down for the first hour. She's actually still on, so I'm going to bring her into this conversation I'm having with the amazing Deetra White. Aka Miss G, she knows. She knows the Miss G. We'll keep that between us. Uh, but I got uh, Ashley on, and I want her to get involved in this conversation as well. I'm gonna say something else, kind of to piggyback off where I ended it um, before the break, where I was saying that ultimately, unfortunately, we often end up shaming people for their actions now without ever addressing the how they got to that point, which is the lack of the intrinsic value that is still very important for why we don't have it. They therefore I love to use, Ms. Ledetra, is this. So we always, to a degree, there's a lot of people in our community that will get frustrated that a lot of our community may stand inside a, a, a line for the Jordan brand shoes, right? Like whenever they drop, there'll be people lined up to buy those or whatever. And so the concept is, look at us, look at us. People kind of dogging it out. And I'm like, you you realize Nike has literally has every year a $1 billion marketing budget just for marketing. $1 billion marketing budget Just for marketing To market it to Those customers But we're talking about customers That in their 12 years of Education, we're in Black History Month They're going to learn about the same 12 Black history figures they learn about every year And that's it Never see themselves In their schooling Where they see themselves In other industries besides the ones That are promoted to us And we're mad at them For acting that way at 14 Why, Why are we mad? We have to address And use the same propaganda That got them in the line The answer is to reverse That propaganda in their favor Show them who they are And then They buy the Jordans when they got it, not when they don't have it. That's way deeper than just shaming the results. Miss um, Levitra, I definitely want you to jump on, and I'll get Ashley's thoughts afterwards.
5: Yeah. Hi, Ashley. Very interested in hearing your thoughts, definitely. Um, I ha- I have to clear up something. I used the wrong term earlier. You and I were searching for the term. It's eminent domain is how we lose a lot yeah, of our land you. over here. Yeah, thank you. Okay. You're welcome. So on, on the point that you're making now, I don't know if it's as much as we got to reverse it, though, though maybe the outcome is the same. we got to replace that ideology with new ideology. Got so you. we got to freeze frame, take out all of that um, consumption, because we're, we, one thing we are as a community, we are great consumers. We've got to replace ideology with new ideology. What is that new ideology? Wealth building, acquiring wealth, building wealth. The whole idea of um, building, you know, um, future thinking of futuristic um, acquisition, you know what I mean? Things increase Mm -hmm. in value, not things that decrease in value. Um, That's my point. I would love to hear from Ashley.
0: Yeah, let me say this real quick before Ashley goes. And and this is an added thing, and Ashley, you can address all of this. So – so our community, our community is making that push, Mr. Dietrich. Like we're we're hearing about it all the time. I just had a friend um, um, recently on a I was on a Zoom, and he's real smart and real um, educated in the crypto space, if you will. And he's highlighting in a sense, you know, the opportunities that exist there. And so as I was, and I just want to use this example to 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 add to this, because actually I know you will agree to this. Our language, and I know you do as well, Aditra, our language matters, right? So in replacing it, people are trying to do it, but this is how we're replacing it and not understanding that it's inherent to what has happened to us. So we will say, here's what we should do and always add the caveat that, because we don't do this. I'm just simply saying, when you understand historically what has happened, you just continue to speak to what should be done. We don't waste any time on saying what we don't do, because usually we're reinforcing the same thing that gives the that gives the psychology of chasing this in, this lack of intrinsic value. You like you're saying, I want to teach you because y'all don't do this. You never learn. Nobody teaches you that way. But we talk like that consistently amongst ourselves. Oh um, my God! Of...
5: You, you have said a word there. All I'm going to say is Amen.
0: Go ahead, Ashley
5: that we really need, Uh,
2: and, and I think, you know, some of my concern is that we, even when we have the conversations about replacing activities, I feel like that kind of adds to the shame and stigma that comes along with what we're doing is not enough. I don't think we need to replace it per se, but I think that we need to find ways to make these concepts, these conversations more relatable to the people that don't really understand it. Because the knowledge and the information that they have is applicable to the life that they're living. And if they can find a way to also take the knowledge and the the information that we're putting out and translate it or find a way to connect with the people in their lives um, to share that information, we will move ahead. But I agree. Um, a, A lot of what we have been ingrained in is just this shame about who we are as African Americans. And there are so many things that when you talk about systemic, it goes from the family to to the job to everything that's happening, and it's a tough mountain for us to climb. And it's sometimes just so disheartening because there are so many things that we have to overcome. Um, but But it is, you know, like these are all strategic attacks that were done against our community. And so we have to be having these conversations of, like, what those attacks were so that even when we talk about monopoly right like how can we think strategically how can we think forward thinking We're not ever going to understand how these other communities, um, the strategies that they put in place to attack us, but we can be trying to be thinking ahead. We can be implementing information for our younger generations to pick up and run with. I mean, even when you look at the relevancy of black content creators on TikTok and Instagram and how pivotal they are on those platforms, how can we be getting the information out? How can we be teaching us in a way that doesn't replace who we are or where we are right now but enhances or adds to that because that's what we have to do because I I don't want to see us lose some of these cultural colloquialisms that we've picked up or, you know, these things that we've learned in order to sustain ourselves and keep going. We lose those because we feel like these other things are better than. They are great to add on or supplement, but I don't think that we have to wholly replace ourselves in that
0: yeah, and I can respect that. I'm pretty sure she wasn't necessarily saying replace ourselves, So just to, again, I like to be. I'm very particular about context, so I know she wasn't necessarily saying replace ourselves. But it's still a great point to kind of you know just get through the, if you will, the um, what's the word I'm looking for? The nuance, which is again, that's what we're very good at. But um appreciate you, Mr. Dietrich, when you say amen to what I'm saying because I know you are as 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 one of my other Queen of late members of the Asia always says, you are picking up what I'm putting down. Because when <laughs> I always challenge people that teach, that that have the knowledge, I try I stress to them, just teach.
5: I, yeah, well, just, let me say something ahead, because ahead, I don't me. I don't wanna be I don't wanna be totally misunderstood. I don't think I was. No, you're um,
0: right
5: though. Definitely queen It's really about there's no way that two energies can, can 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 have the same volume at the same time right mm-hmm. so what i was trying to say is if you function from a volume of consumption if you focus from a volume of um being branded or suited you know what i mean of of, mm-hmm. of building your um, environment around things that depreciate in value. At some point, if we, in order to get them thinking about building wealth, we've got to interrupt that freeze frame, that pro, that ideology, and mm-hmm. and I love the word enhance it. Enhance it with building wealth, acquiring assets. Asset. We have to really create a financial literacy in order for people right. to, for, to really break that paradigm. And that was all I was trying to say there. No, and we can, said, we and I thought, actually, I yeah. got your point of let's not lose all the things that make us so uniquely magnificent where we can blow up TikTok and all those things. You're absolutely right about that. I think that if we don't introduce this component of save versus spend, though, we're, we're, right. we're the only beneficiary. I'm the only beneficiary if I only think about self. We've got to have a more communal Futuristic no,
0: idea. absolutely. absolutely. And, and, and it's not a one or other anyway. You know, like even in the dialogue of getting this nuance correct, you know, we definitely are not suggesting not to do it, right? We're not suggesting not to do it. Right. We're just kind of getting into, again, because as I'm saying, language matters. Language matters so yes. much. That even figuring out how to do this comes down to the language because, again, the idea of us becoming consumers, yes. if you will, is specifically thought about by Nike when they put up a billion dollars to market. They're, thought, they're, they're, they're concerned with the language of how they market, and I'm simply saying we have to learn not to accept some of the language that was given to us during systemic systemic attacks, because here's the reality. You and I, uh, Ladisha, we've had this specific conversation. We're not more consumers than any other culture, though. We're just, as African Americans, we know what we like to buy. But if I pull up the... Which I, you know, I'm into numbers. If I pull up the Georgia Consumer Report, Georgia Consumer Report every year, other communities just spend their money on their items in other areas. At the end of the day, um, Hazi Ali always says this, and I've stole it from him, so I always give him credit for it. But he says USA stands for the uh the United States of Advertising. And so our entire culture is consumerism. I'm talking about in general, the entire Culture over costumes, over consumes. And and let's, and
5: let's look at Nike. All those people featured in those ads—they're targeting
0: black people. Let's, let's keep it real. Right. Yes, right. And so, so to my point, with that is so it's no surprise that we're in the Nike line. But you know what? We're where a lot of money gets spent. That we don't buy any. We don't. We're not in the ski equipment line. <laughs> Yeah. You know, yeah. now the Tiger Woods ain't playing golf. We ain't in the golf line anymore. I I I work in vending. I I've been at all the sporting events, right? I I've, I've been at the concert events here in the Atlanta area. So when I go to a country concert, everything, you know, anytime you're in a concert, you know, everything's overcharged, right? That's every any concert you go to, right? But when I'm selling $9 beers, I know that when I go to a concert, or a, you know, a black concert, if you will, let's just call it what it is, we might have a beer or two. But when I go to a country concert, those white guys are getting drunk off a of $9 beer. We can't get drunk off $9 beers if we wanted to. I'm talking about right. when you, and, but, it, but it's not that, it's not that we over-consume, that's the reality of, having $10 to every one median base. So if, yes. I, if I have $10 to your $1, if I blow half my money, still have a dollar to invest. If you have a dollar, you can listen to Ashley, who's going to teach you to live off 70 or 80% of what you make. You're not catching up with $0.20 or $0.30 invested to somebody who has $10 to $1. Like, it may sound like I'm complaining. I'm saying both groups consume the same when I look at the numbers. There is no difference in the consumerism. There's just a difference in how much money you have. Now, should you listen to Ashley and my man, Mark Rager, and my man, Rico Tippett, and Miss Ledetra White, who saying hey, here's what you individually can do to secede. You absolutely must listen, but to then turn around and blanket it to our entire culture as if something's wrong with us when the reason is 10 to 1 was intentional. that's I'm not talking excuses. I'm just talking about quit saying something that is not true about us.
1: Yeah. Well, the issue
5: that I take with it all is... If the, these big brands are going to market to us, they need to start putting us in their boardrooms. They need to um, right. teach us some financial literacy so we can buy their stock. They need to make they need to create avenues for us to be fully in, in, engulfed in their brand. You know what I mean? So let's stop, stop and think for a second. How much? There's no other culture that influences pop culture more than African Americans.
0: No Go other. Back to
5: Go back to TikTok and look at all those videos. Oh, they—they they are. You got white women waking up singing in black songs, saying saying stuff that ordinarily they wouldn't even say. You know, on right. their drunkest day, on their drunkest day, they wouldn't say that mess. My point is, there is no other culture. We have our hand on the button. If we just knew, came together, and pushed it at the same time, we would be amazing.
0: So here it is. And I'm not being. I'm not call, punishing
5: you. us. I, I want to make sure yes. you understand I'm not punishing yes. us. All I'm no. saying is I'm the first to say let's come together, not to blame.
0: Right. No, 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 here let's it is. Just... Here it is. No, what you're saying yeah. now is perfect, and I want to get to this other caller. So what you're saying now is we have all this control, and so we just keep saying let's do it. What right. happens is people are saying let's do it while saying negative things as if that's what's going yep. to yep. drive yep. to do it. So that's what I meant yep. by the term. Yep. Just teach. And you're doing that for the most part. You didn't even do it on that post. I addressed somebody else on the post, right? I appreciated your post for what it was. So none of my response was to you because when I watch you, you typically just teach. I've I've read your blog post breaking down the (laughs) $1.3 trillion that most people think – you spend it all and waste it all, and your post was like, "No, the most of that money goes to the things that we need." So don't assume exactly. that we're spending it all. You know what I'm saying? So you <laughs> teach. I'm trying to get more people simply just to teach you. That's you, when you think about a coach. You can't. You, you, are you going to learn from the coach that continuously um, criticizes you while teaching you what to do? No. Right. So. We can go get the things you're talking about, and you don't you don't add that in. But there are plenty of people who says we should control it. Because so look at how much we influence TikTok, while also saying because we just don't think like that. Leave that part off. It's all I'm saying, yeah, right. But not not. The, I'm complaining yeah, I mean, And I'm being sensitive. Wants, yeah, no, go ahead, go ahead, yeah. please. Go ahead. Nobody
5: wants to be talked down to. Nobody wants to hear the professor every day in their life. Social media. People come to social media. To behave, to project something—they're—they're they're, they're purposeful in how they use social media. Let's be clear. That's right. why there's so many filters on all these apps, right, Ashley? Yes. <laughs> we come. Exactly. We come for a purpose. For a purpose. So I, what I do is I put information out there. Notice, go to any of my posts. I put information out there and let people be, take what they can from it. That's all. that's what. That's I'm and and, and that matters so much. No, it matters so much because.
0: Like, for, again, for somebody who may have never heard my passion in saying this, they think I'm just saying it because I don't want to hurt our feelings. No, there's plenty of da- data that backs up that what you're saying is bullshit. I'm sorry to say that, but that's real. Yeah. There's plenty of data that backs up. Like like I was saying, like, when I go look at the Georgia Consumerism Report, we just spend our money in different places. But that's just right. the little discretionary money that's left. The majority of that money in most communities is going to housing, transportation, education, and medical. That's where the, the, majority, the majority of our $1.2 the Hispanics $1.4 um Asians are at $1 trillion, and most people have never heard this number. Whites are at $14 trillion. I mean, billion. I'm sorry, billion, not trillion. No, trillion, trillion. Trillion every year. But it's just based on the population. Nobody's spending or consuming any more than the other. Yeah, but we will hear 1.3 trillion never put in context against the other numbers. So since we never put it in context against the other numbers, we got missed out here saying we spend worse than others. That ain't even the truth. Let me go to this other caller. Thank you so much, Laditra for let me bare my passions about this. <laughs> because again, I <laughs> applaud you and appreciate you because you do just teach. We need more people just teaching. Awesome. All right, 609, last three eight nine one. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion.
9: I'm sorry, this is Marilyn calling. I um, think everybody is passionate about black dollars and how we spend our money. I think that the statistics are misleading, um, but they're, they're, they have a lot of truth to them as well. I, we are the largest consumers. I think of anyone. Our population is, that less. is not
0: true, Marilyn. I can. I'll, I'll so wait, 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 wait. It's to allow people to so continue week. propagating myths that are not true. That's absolutely so not true. You it's, don't it's, think it's true that we are the largest? I, 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 about I think here are the numbers. If I show you the 1.2 trillion that we spend, Hispanics spend 1.4. Now let's compare, compare that to population-wise. We're at thirteen point one percent. They're at sixteen percent mm-hmm. of the population. That number equates mm-hmm. out specifically to the population. So how do we get to be biggest consumers when they spend one point three four trillion? They're not. So they're bigger just by number alone, but they're also three um, percent higher us in population. The, the white okay. the white community is like the numbers equate out strictly to the population. The way that the consumer numbers are even equated and done proves no community spends more now you you will see in those numbers because i look at them every year you will see um this percent change that happens from year to year actually right now the asian community has the largest change in how much they consume every year part of it is due to the amount of wealth they have so how would that be looked at by a company like nike they may start catering ads to the group that's starting to consume at a higher rate than others. But if you go look at our consumer rates year in and year out, they're about the same as Hispanics and whites. It increases every year because the United States of advertising tries to get the Culture to consume more, so we're all around increasing about twenty one, twenty three percent. I'm not making. You can go look up the Georgia Consumer Report; they put it out every year. Not making these numbers up. There's nothing that supports that we are the biggest consumers. I used to believe we're the biggest consumers until I looked at the numbers. So I okay, but, okay. You know, but look at, but look, at but look at the income. Look at the income ratio,
9: and then look at where our our money goes. Look at the funnels uh, where our money I just, goes. I don't
0: know if to the, the money, show, the boy, money does it not. Goes, it goes. The money does not
9: remain play. in our communities. The money goes in other funnels. You know, so that does make us the largest consumers. It takes more of our money out the back door than it is coming in the front door. And even though we are the smallest population, our dollars count, but they count in other areas. Somebody said, instead of buying the sneakers, buy the stock. I've always been, uh, you know, pro that. We spend the money. We have the money to spend, but it's where we are spending the money. Yeah, you know, the transfer the of wealth does not mean transfer our money to other people's wealth. We, don't, we, we don't have, have to get to the point where we can, we can demonstrate what we teach as well. And we can't continue to put us down, but we have to, on a larger scale, start really educating people from the cradle to the grave because we are committing cultural suicide. We've always done that, because we've always been led by people telling us what we can have. It's like civil rights. You know, as long as we had our own communities, all 21 that they burned down and destroyed, as long as we had that, we had everything that we needed. We were self-contained and self-sustained. The minute white people told us we couldn't do this, we couldn't go there, we couldn't have that, they actually tricked us into being able to spend our money with them and negate those who we were supported with and supporting the whole generations before us. Segregation uh, yeah. was one of the worst things. Integration was one of the worst things that happened to black people. It okay, was one of that. the worst things that
0: happened. Okay, I respect that. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to simply say it was actually more than 21, unfortunately, um, that was destroyed. Oh, yeah, so people look and they don't... Oh, yeah, They don't realize realize that there were at least another 21. We're just at the end, Marilyn. If I got you in earlier, we would do back forth. No problem, but we're at the end. So I'm just going to share this as just a context of what you're saying. So more than 21, unfortunately, and um, we say that without realizing that the average black family at the time that you're highlighting was worth $0. And so what happens is because we look back on it and know about the black enclaves, they were the 2% of our community. The rest of our community was worth $0. So it wasn't that we were self-sufficient. We just have some communities that we now know to highlight, like the Black Wall Streets, like the Raleigh's, like the Rosewoods, that we now look to um, highlight and we never put in context what was happening for the rest of the culture at that same time. It was the average family. So we can't romanticize segregation. It's not to say that we should be integrated, but we can't say those things because it's unfair to our ancestors. And it makes it seem like we are inherently messed up when we're not considering why, what happened. And it wasn't a reality. There was a reason why ancestors had to consider integration. It wasn't simply a trick. We didn't have anything basic needs. Some of those towns were lost simply through They were buried simply because they all starved to death. Black places. you got to know the times before we just put 2022 views on history. That's how i got to end the show because we're at the end of the show. Thank you all for calling in and making the second hour an open dialogue. See you all next Saturday. All I ask is that you think.
3: Thank you.
0: Thank you.